Welcome back to the Pave the Way podcast, a joint initiative with Rahagiri Foundation and the National Institute of Urban Affairs, where I, your host, Akash Basu, speak with mobility experts and people with interesting ideas around the globe on all kinds of issues and ideas surrounding sustainable mobility and transport planning. On the podcast today, we are joined by an expert on sustainable urban transport from Bogota, Colombia, Dario Hidalgo. Dario formerly of WRI Ross Center for Sustainable Cities, has over 25 years of experience as a transport expert, consultant, and government official. He is currently the professor of transport and logistics at the Universidad Haveriana in Bogota, Colombia. For those who don't know, our Raagiri Day is actually modeled after what is known as Cyclovia in Colombia. Uh, Dario grew up participating in Cyclovia and has provided Rahagiri with endless support in our mission to make Rahagiri a staple just like it. He has even participated in several Rahagiri days. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with and listeners will have the pleasure of hearing from Dario on the value of car-free days, how we can reimagine our public transport systems, why a Vision Zero program can be so beneficial and much more. Uh, We are so grateful to have you on here today, Dario. How are you? Uh, thank you so much for this great invitation. Uh, I, I I miss traveling to India. I have not been there for a while. And I used to go uh, very, very often uh, when I was part of the World Resources Institute and when we created uh, the program in India uh, some years ago. Uh, n- now, uh, I'm, and I did have uh, the opportunity to to provide information regarding Ciclovia Bogotá and also uh, participating in some of the uh, Ragiri events, not only in, in, in Gurgaon, where it started, but also in Delhi and, and in other places in India with the open streets program, uh, where it, 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 it catch up. Uh, Ciclovia in Bogota started in 1974. So it's a very, very uh, long time since it started as an initiative of uh, several activists, uh, in the city of Bogota, cycling activists. Uh, le- led by uh, by Mr. Jaime Ortiz. Uh, Mr. Jaime Ortiz and his friends asked the city to close some uh, stretches of the street uh, so people could enjoy uh, during Sundays uh, the activity on the streets. Given that the city, even though it has some parks and some recreational areas, it lacks of space for people to have fun and, and, and just be there. And, and uh, after the initial uh, experiments in Bogota in 1974, the the city took it as a as a as a program uh, by the city uh, and established it uh, as a as a fixed event every Sunday and Saturday, and it started closing longer and longer stretches of of streets in the city. Uh, to the point that uh, we now have 127 kilometers of wow. open streets. Actually, are not closed streets; are open streets for people to walk, to fight, to skate, to have recreational activities. They have a, they have a, also a, 
and some uh, activities for the people to to to, to have uh, activity together, like like classes of uh, rumba and and exercise and and all kinds of activities around it. Uh, so it is more than fifty years. Uh, it's going to be fifty years uh, since it started. It's forty eight years old, and 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 now it's a, a feature that the city really has and enjoys every Sunday and. And and holiday and we have plenty of holidays, but uh, that because of uh, of of some uh, Catholic uh, uh, tradition has several holidays uh, over a year. So we have Citovia seventy times a year. It's 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 a lot. And I personally uh, grew up. I was a teenager when it. Uh, I was a, a a young teenager when it started, and I started going to Citovia every. Every Sunday and, and and holiday, and when I became a parent, I I brought my 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 children, and now my children are young adults. So as you are, Akash. So so it has been part of my life, and it has been a, a very important feature of the city of Bogota, showing that it is possible to have the street for people and not the street for cars. Mm -hmm. I think you've um, you've said it well. The value of something like this, which is that. It gives people a chance to reimagine their streets. It's not just for cars. Our streets are for our people too. I think the fact that there are hundreds of kilometers dedicated to it in Colombia and it's been running for so long. How do you think India can model itself a little better after some after Ciclovia and Colombia to achieve greater success through something like Rahagiri Day? Well, Ciclovia was mainly at a started a, a recreational event. It was not a a way to change the shape of the city or mobility in the city. It was a recreational event for the people to have fun on the street, to take their bikes. Colombia is a land where we have a lot of bikers that are very, very well achieved. The champion of the Tour de France is from, one of the champions of the Tour de France is from Colombia, and they won several of these important cycling races in Europe. And so, so there is a tradition for cycling and and as a sport, but also as a recreational activity. We have bikes in every in every home, so it's not part it's part of of life of, of many. But we need places to bike, and and that was a, that was a very clever idea. Open the street for 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 these bikers to to enjoy, but not just bikers, walking, jogging, and and and, and doing all other activities. So what you do in Ragiri uh, actually is that is is not is is open the street for 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 having fun and having the opportunity to enjoy the city, be community, uh, do many activities. Uh, uh, it it is uh, it is especially for children so important because children need to be out of fun, need to have a, uh, the opportunity to enjoy with others, and so so I think that Ragiri. Modeled very well and recreated for the Indian condition. There are things that you do there that are very Indian, uh, mm -hmm. yoga and other, other, other activities that are very, very uh, close to your culture and your, your tradition. Uh, you dance Bollywood, uh, we dance uh, Latin music. It's different, but, <laughs> but at the end, at the end, it is, is, is an opportunity to, to enjoy and, and, and have the city and see the city differently. And the impact on mobility, uh, well, when, when the people realize that you, it's so easy to get 
from place A to place B in bicycle if, if there's a space. Mm. And Ciclovia provides that space. And then you say, why not doing it every day? But we need to take the space every day. So Ciclovia is part, in a way, uh, the construction of permanent bike lanes in the city of Bogota, uh, which we have a very extensive network. It, it started way after Ciclovia. The, the, the cycling network started, started in the late 80s in, in, in Bogota uh, with the construction of very little, so very little short stretches. But then in 2000, uh, uh, by 2000, the mayor of Bogota, Enrique Peñalosa, uh, started a plan to build hundreds of kilometers of, of permanent bike lanes, uh, we call ciclorutas, uh, to differentiate from Ciclovia. And these ciclorutas are now of five, of 540 kilometers around uh, of permanent bike lanes to provide safe mobility for those people choosing to use the bike to get around, not just to have fun, to, mm -hmm. to get around, to get to their job, get to their to the school, the universities. And the universities were very, very important in that because several universities created groups inside the universities. So, so the students have, uh, can go together and have a safe uh, parking space and they do activities. And, and so this initiative by the city was joined by the initiative by young people uh, to promote cycling and cycling became one of the important ways of moving around in Bogota. Right now, we have around 10% of our total trips by bicycling. Most of the trips in Bogota are still in public transportation, and only 15% of the trips are in cars, and about 7% of the trips are in motorcycles. So, so Ciclovia started the tradition, but then was joined by other programs for sustainable mobility, and it was not just the initiative of the city, was also the support of civil society organizations that push for cycling as a way to move in the city of Bogota. Mm. Yeah, I think it's very well put how an initiative that helps you reimagine the streets can then change mobility systems so much because of how people then interpret their public spaces and see what it could be. Um, I think that brings us on to my next question, which is, Let's suppose things like um, our bike systems, um, are the infrastructure we've set up for cyclists, uh, our public transport systems, even our bus systems, I would say here in India, fall short of countries such as Bogota, Colombia, or even Netherlands or Denmark, where they have such good infrastructure set up for their public spaces. Where do you think India is falling short, let's say, when it comes to providing adequate, useful and safe public transport and public spaces? Well, it is, it is, uh, I have to say that Bogota is in the way of becoming a very sustainable city. We have a long way to go. It's a very large city for Latin American standards. We, in the, in the metropolitan region, where 10 million people, uh, many Indian cities are much larger than, than, than Bogota. Uh, you have uh, several mega cities, but, but it's a big city. And a big city requires, it requires uh, uh, that, that it started uh, to be planned around the automobile and motorized mobility. Uh, the change is difficult because then you need to reshape the city, reassign space that originally was assigned for cars and buses and trucks, reassign the space for pedestrians and cycling. And 
We provide priori priority to public transportation. We provide bus lanes and this kind of thing. And this is difficult. This is a very difficult proposition for those people that are in, in cars that are the minority, but it's the people that is taking the shots, taking the decisions. And they feel uh, because of a strong tradition of more than 100 years coming from the U.S. and Europe that uh, you need to create a space for cars and more space for cars and highways and expressways and flyovers. And those kind of things are the, the, the conventional wisdom on how to solve mobility. And we didn't do as many flyovers and expressways that you are doing in the main cities in India. Probably India went way too far in creating these flyovers, double uh, uh, highways on the second level, um, ring roads, and many, many of these things. And they felt that that was right. That was development. That that was the way to go. And, and, and you find, you find that, uh, these, uh, as, as India continues progressing, the income of the people continue going up. Fortunately, more people is buying cars and motorcycles. And these solutions of expressways are now totally blocked, are in big congestion. Mm -hmm. And and there's people that are still say, oh, then we need another expressway, another flyover. And actually, that doesn't solve mobility. It makes it worse. Uh, you have heard probably, and, and your your the, the, hear, the people hearing this podcast have heard these say that uh, like solving congestion by expanding roads, like trying to solve obesity uh, with a big, big bigger fence, which was said by by Lewis Mumford in New York City in the 60s. This is not something new. It's something that is known for, for many years. And actually what I feel that in, in, in India, this change of, of mind of really putting the stress on sustainable mobility and not on building highways uh, is, is the way to go. India has got done very well, for, uh, particularly in, the, in Delhi, in creating an awesome a metro network that is mass transit, a uh, very good mass transit. But mass transit uh, in the way of metro can do not can do a lot, but not everything. Mm -hmm. You still need the connections to mass transit. You still need the the the, the last mile connectivity. You still need a vibrant network that have everything inside them and not having to travel long distances to get to to places. So uh, the experience of Bogota can show some examples of things that you can uh, replicate in Indian cities, like the priority for buses. Bogota has a very extensive network of uh, BRT with uh, bus priority. The bike lanes that I already mentioned, uh, a focus on pedestrians, of, of walking space, of creating a walking space in every road. Uh, for, for some years, we created roads without walking space. It's a mistake. We need to create walking space, safe walking space in every single road because most of the people need to walk uh, to get to the final destinations. Even if they use public transportation, they need to walk to final destination. Or even if they use a car, they, they need to park a car somewhere and walk to the building where they need to, to be. So, so it is, it is important that these, uh, these supply of sustainable mobility becomes the most important way of using scarce resources. Cities don't have, states don't have uh, illimited funding 
but they have a scarce funding. And if they put the money into better public transportation, metro, BRT, better walking and bicycling with infrastructure, they do a lot. But it's not enough. Mm. You need to provide good supply of sustainable mobility modes, but you also need to create these incentives for the car and motorcycle use. You need to create paid parking or congestion charges or fuel charges or other ways to make the people use less uh, the cars and motorcycles and use more public transportation, walking and bicycling. And all of these with a more compact city development so destinations are closer to the origins. Mm-hmm. I think you made a really interesting point at the end there, which is about disincentivizing vehicular transport. I actually had, um, I'm not sure if you know him, but I had Andy Singer, who's a cartoonist on this yes. podcast. <laughs> yes, I had him on one of our episodes of this podcast. And he was That's explaining so how, um, you know, European transport and mobility systems are better than the US transport system. And one of the reasons is, is that, you know, the, the fuel prices are so much higher in the, in Europe. They are. And more of that money is dedicated to providing better mobility options as opposed to other places, such as the US and even India. To just come back to the BRT, which is the, the extensive bus network that, um, Colombia has. Uh, I'd actually read an article, I think, when you had come to Gurgaon in 2017 to review yes. and give feedback towards a new bus system being launched in this city. Uh, I think that's something that isn't talked about much, uh, the value of a comprehensive and modern city bus service and even the electrification of bus systems and how much value there is there. So could you just give us a little account of the value of bus systems? Well, you need a multimodal public transportation network. In these big cities, you still need the mass transit in the form of a metro rail. A Bogota is building its first metro line, probably too delayed for the needs of the city. But the city has uh, this bus priority system and the connectivity that goes beyond the bus, uh, the BRT. Uh, it was also uh, it's a, a comprehensive network of integrated uh, public transportation. The city has some cable car in the south part of the city that connects to a hilly area that is integrated to the mass transit system that has been very successful. This cable car in the hilly part of, of southern Bogota and is planning to put several lines of cable cars along with the expansion of the metro and expansion of the VRT. Uh, we are a long way to go to have a comprehensive network, but what we have has been uh, enough to for car use uh, uh, over the years. Over the last 20 years, the percent uh, percent use of cars in the city of Bogota has not gone up despite the fact that the, the, the city has become more wealthy. Uh, more wealthy means more activity, but not all of this activity is in cars and, and not all the, the funding is dedicated to cars and, and, and motorcycles. The, the, the income of the families. Uh, there are some families that, that, that have a car, many of them, but, but, but the, the share of uh, cars in total transportation in Bogota ha- has not gone up so much. And one of the reasons is because of the implementation of the bus traffic transit system that provided an alternative, uh, very effective in terms of travel time that needs improvements in terms of quality and, and performance. 
but was a, was a very uh, important improvement in the mobility of Bogota and has been expanded over the years. Unfortunately, not at the pace that the city needs. Uh, the city has been kind of uh, not, not, not keeping up with its needs. Uh, the system should be in, should have been uh, more than 300 kilometers by now. It's 114 kilometers. Uh, there are new kilometers being built right now, uh, along with the metro line and the regional rail that is also being built. These are part of, of a comprehensive system, but you need the local buses. You need buses to get to the final destination. So you need this integrated network, and the best way now to provide this uh, supply is with uh, zero tailpipe emission buses, electric buses that are zero tailpipe emissions and and and, and improve the quality of the, uh, air quality and and also provide an opportunity to reduce uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions that are so harmful for our planet. Bogota currently, April 2022 is the city that has the largest electric fleet, bus electric fleet outside China. China is, is, <laughs> is an outlier. Uh, cities in China like Shenzhen and many others are, are, are have uh, uh, totally electrified in the, their bus fleets. Uh, Bogota is in the way of, of doing that and now has uh, more than 1,000 e-buses uh, running in the streets of our city. And that required commitment funding, support from government, and also support from the private sector, the total chain of providers of buses, operators of buses, and contractors of the operation that uh, were, were made that possible in the city of Bogotá. Um, yes, so, so we were talking, we, we're talking about bus electrification, the importance of having an electric fleet that is possible right now was not possible thing. Ten years ago, the, the technology has progressed a lot, and now we have the, the, the supply of e-buses. But it's not only, not only having an e-bus, it's having an e-bus that runs uh, frequently and that has some priority and that is not a stop in traffic. If this mm. awesome machine is a stop in traffic full of 40 or 60 people inside and they don't get to their destination, there's no use. So we need we need not just the also machine, the electric bus, we need uh, frequent buses and we need bus priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the most, one of the more common themes of, let's say, Bogota being able to achieve all of this was initiative. You know, there has to be initiative taken by local bodies, by the government, by even the citizenry to ensure to have these things possible because they are possible. It is a plausible option to set up much better mobility systems, but it's often that we don't see the initiative or that maybe too much, too many of our resources or infrastructure are dedicated to the parties that lobby, that have the most influence on the systems, which is vehicular transport in this case. Um, we'll come back to that. I, one of the things I wanted to address is you have also been very vocal on, um, Vision Zero, uh, that was run in Bogota, I think in 2017. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, hmm. please go ahead. Yeah, well, Vision Zero, Vision Zero is an idea that is imported from Europe, particularly from Sweden, uh, that ma makes a very clear statement. And and the question made by Vision Zero is: How many people are we willing to have killed in our roads? 
You can answer that, Akash. How many? Zero. Zero. It's the only number that is acceptable. And so we need to make everything possible in our hands to have a safe system. A system that, be, that at the end, nobody is killed because of, 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 uh, of transportation. And the humans are in the middle of it. And we humans, we make error. We make mistakes. It's part of being a human, making mistakes. And the system should be designed and operated in such a way that allows for the human error. If you are distracted, you don't get killed. Mm -hmm. If you cross a street destructor, a car is not speeding and you are not killed because of the high speed of the car. Or uh, the car is designed in a way that protects the people inside and the people outside and the infrastructure conditions the way you drive and the way the motorcycles drive. So it's a whole systems approach, which has been not only in Sweden, all over Europe, and it's in the core of the uh, decade of action of road safety uh, that the United Nations just uh, declared a couple of years back for this period between 2021 and 2030. So we may have at least 50% less traffic deaths in this period with a vision of not having any debt by 2050. And it is possible. It is doable. Two cities uh, were able to make it happen. Oslo and Helsinki uh, were able to have zero pedestrian and bicycle deaths over a whole year. And the airline industry had a full year without uh, deaths in commercial flights. That's Unfortunately, yeah, and and this is because it's a systems approach. All the parts of the system are designed and operated in a way that allow for human error and don't put the responsibility on the weakest link of the chain of road safety or the weakest link of the chain of road safety is the people. So if you say the people, oh, let's educate the people so they cross the street where they need to cross, and there are no crossings. Mm -hmm. And there are no, uh, and all the cars are speeding. Why do you teach people to cross in a place where there is no infrastructure mm -hmm. to safely cross the street? So it's about providing those safe crossings, providing uh, limited speeds for, for the cars and buses and trucks, and uh, creating a culture around that the system should make, be safe. So Bogota applied that, uh, that Vision Zero is not the only city in Colombia. Medellin, uh, uh, an important city in the western part of the country, also has uh, Vision Zero. Cali has applied the principles of Vision Zero as well. Uh, and not only the cities in Colombia, there are Vision Zero networks around the world. And WRI has been very, very supportive of these type of activities at several publications and the, the, the people working in WRI. Uh, have been very, very uh, positive in terms of helping cities adapt these principles that are general principles. They are not for streets. They are not for Europeans. They are for humans. And <laughs> humans are part of all, all over the world. Uh, and Bogota was successful. Bogota reduced the speeds on the main corridors to 50 kilometers an hour. Bogota uh, provided more safe uh, walking and, and bicycling spaces. And uh, has seen a reduction of traffic deaths year by year 
a consistent reduction in traffic there. Still, we have 500 people killed on our streets every year. It's not acceptable. It's more than six uh, people per 100,000 population. And the cities that are safer in the world are below one. One people, one person killed per 100,000 population. And that's where we need to aim to zero, zero deaths in, in traffic. Uh, but the, the good thing about the Vision Zero is that it's totally connected with the previous talk about sustainable mobility. Because the safest way to move around is for the transportation once mm-hmm. you are inside the bus. Uh, so if you provide a safe walking, safe bicycling, and a good quality public transportation system, you are reducing the exposure to traffic deaths. Then you need to design the streets in a way that the cars don't speed, the motorcycles don't speed up, and you provide the controls to those that insist on uh, speeding uh, with cameras and the police, and, and then you have a complete uh, uh, safe system safe system approach. The safe system is complemented by a post-crash response. Once you are crashed, you, you are taken very fast to a healthcare facility and the family is, is provided with, with some uh, support. But, but the, 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 the idea is not having a deadly crashes and that's vision too. I think it was, <clears throat> I think you really put vision zero altogether brilliantly there, which is that all traffic accidents are unnecessary. We should we should absolutely see zero. And the point of Vision Zero is to remove the one aspect of it which we can't control, which is human error. Um, we actually ran Haryana Vision Zero uh, here in Haryana as well with NASCOM Foundation. WRI India was uh, involved as well. And for the years that it ran, we saw very positive effects. We saw less road crash deaths and um, other positive effects. Uh, I think the way it was defined for us was there were the four E's and all are important to make to, to insure. So I'll just, I'll just tell and then um, Dario can elaborate a bit. So there's engineering, which is designing the streets to make sure that people are safe, to ensure safety of pedestrians, cyclists, and you know just general safety. And then there's enforcement, which is, again, you, know, it's, you have to be able to enforce the policies that you put in you have to be i mean in india one of them is you know that enforcement makes people fear breaking the rules more there's so much rule breaking on our roads here that the just the fear of enforcement can really reduce the amount of speeding and over speeding that we see here then there's education which is consistently educating people which is hosting seminars road safety zones as rahagiri did even rahagiri day and cyclovia like that is education on the matter and finally emergency care which is improving our post-crash systems so i think i've given a little account maybe you could just elaborate on this uh, it's totally totally in line with vision zero uh, with the vision zero principles Uh, the stress is on on the engineering side on on making the streets the the, the design Uh, so it conditions the behavior of all all the users and provide safe space for walking and bicycling. And uh, the enforcement aspect of it is so, so important. The education, uh, I don't stress as much education, learning from the streets, because education is a way to pass the responsibility in a way. Oh, I educated you. It's you that don't behave. It's your problem. Mm-hmm. No, education 
education is more about about managing the, the the vehicles right, being a good a good driver, knowing the rules, no, and, and being a good driver in terms of you control your vehicle, particularly the motorcycles. Motorcycles are very deadly, and very unfortunately, more than half of the deaths of of uh, people in our streets in Colombia are in in, in motorcycles, and and and, in, and motorcycling is is growing really fast because it's so easy, cheap, and and convenient in many ways, but it's deadly. Unfortunately, you are the body of your car. You're, you don't have a body of the car to protect you. You are your own protection, and you are not designed to to sustain a crash. It's not our design. Uh, uh, so, so it, education is important in terms of of uh, making the people able to use the the system safely. But it's more important, and I stress that out of Mission Zero Run Freedom. And the way we applied here in Colombia, uh, engineering, good design, uh, making audits that show the, the problems in road safety and correcting them, and also uh, having the enforcement. There is a fraction of the user. Not everybody behaves wrong. There is a fraction of the users of the road that make uh, break the rules. Is in this fraction of users, those are the, the ones that cause the deadly crashes and injuries. And it's on them that you need to concentrate your efforts of enforcement on those uh, risky behaviors. And the risky behavior that is associated with injury and death is speeding. At the 30 kilometers an hour, which is the normal speed for a local road, 85% of the people survive the crash. Mm. But at 50 kilometers an hour, 60 kilometers an hour, less than 15%, at 50 kilometers an hour, less than 15% of the people uh, that suffers a, a runover at that speed survives. Mm-hmm. So it's like falling from a sixth floor. You can mm-hmm. survive, but your likelihood of surviving is, 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 is small. So you need to control the speed, and it's the most important factor, and it's associated with other other factors. If you are distracted with your telephone, or if you drink and drive, you should not be allowed. But there's people that insist on on driving under under the the under the influence of alcohol. If 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 your vehicle has a an issue, sometimes not well maintained. Mm-hmm. And you are speeding. All these combined factors are the ones that cause se- severe injury and death. Uh, so, in summary, if you provide a sustainable mobility system and you design for safety and you enforce traffic rules, you are in a better position. And that's what Indian cities need to continue doing. They have done some efforts. It's not that nothing is done. Your effort is raggedy. It is very, very important that the, and the state of Haryana has done some uh, very important activities. The state of Delhi, uh, the, the, the metropolitan region in Mumbai, in Bangalore, in many places around India, they are doing some stuff that is going in the right direction. You need to keep doing that. You need to uh, continue providing priority to pedestrians and bicycling and public transportation and uh, enforcing the rules. Mm, yeah. I think you are absolutely right. Um, but actually, it, Gurgaon has just launched the Gur- Gurugram 
Vision Zero program that will be running soon. So I would like to believe anyways that we are moving towards the right direction. To conclude this, I, um, I'll ask a question. So I think one thing we discussed is that it takes initiative to make changes. You know, it takes initiative from parties, from the higher ups to us as a citizenry. Um, so I actually had a social entrepreneur, uh, Devika Malik, on one of my, on a previous episode. And she really stressed on the role of individual responsibility, like you had talked about, which is that drunk driving is banned. People still do it. Wrong side driving is banned. People still do it. Talking on the phone whilst driving is banned, but people still do it. And I guess my question is enforcement and putting in the fear of enforcement, the only way to make people follow the rules. Where does the role of individual responsibility come in? Very, very good point. Um, there was a mayor of Bogota, a, 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 a very important mayor, which is Santana Mokus, which introduced the concepts of uh, citizen culture in the city of Bogota. That is part of the good successes that the city has over, over the years. And, and, and when you do talk about citizen culture, Santana Mokus uh, talk about three levels. There is moral, knowing what is right and what is wrong and doing and following your idea of right and wrong. There is a legal that there is a, the, if you are punished by the legal system, if you do wrong, or there is also the social, the social pressure, the opportunity of the social behavior being punished or, uh, or supported. And his idea of citizen culture was combining the three. Yeah. One is really making the people understand what is right, what is wrong, and the people take it inside. And that was supported by the social aspect and the legal aspect. But you need to combine the three. It's not that all it, just enforcing will make it happen. If you feel it's right to drink and drive, you continue drinking and driving. But if your fears around you tell you no no don't drive i won't ride your vehicle if you are drunk or i don't ride your motorcycle and i will go with you and i don't let you go in your motorcycle if you're drunk mm -hmm. this is peer pressure it's social pressure and it becomes unacceptable and that is very very successful that the peers and the people around you create that and that is very successful in creating social uh, mechanisms for the people to punish in, in a way uh, or at least applaud or say no mm. a thumb down to things that were uh, wrong and that helped that helped unfortunately it was not kept because you still need the leadership to continue these things flowing and now we have many wrong behaviors that we should have, have been uh, been out but drinking and driving is one of these behaviors that became punished by the society and not just by the legal system. The penalties for drinking and driving in Colombia are very high. Mm. But the penalty, the social penalty is there also. Mm -hmm. You are not accepted as a drunk driver. It's not right. Now, we need that to happen also with the speeding. Mm. Currently, speeding is felt like, oh, I'm a great driver. Um, I really know how to drive because I drive fast. Actually. Is wrong. Absolutely. Driving fast, you can commit, uh, make a mistake or anything, and 
exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you are not able to tell the story. The best driver ever, Ayrton Senna, Formula One driver, crash and die. Of course, it was a sports. It was, it was mm-hmm. Formula One. Mm-hmm. But it happens many. It, it happens. It's easier to crash on the street than in a, a Formula One circuit. Even though well, the speeds in the Formula One circuit are really, really high, the the design is is for for keeping the sport safe. So it, it, you can it, you can be the best driver and you can still be killed because of the speed the speed kills. So we need to create this culture that speeding is wrong. Currently, we don't have that culture. Mm-hmm. And that culture is created with the combination of the three things. If you enforce speeding, and if the society rejects speeding, and then if we take inside, it's wrong to speed. It's extremely well put. Um, really, it's not mine. I'm I know, taking, but, but I, I... I'm taking Lutanas Mokos and Enrique Peñalos and other mayors of yeah. Bogotá that have done and, and you ask about leadership. Leadership is so important. These leaders of Bogotá, Enrique Peñalos, Antonio Mocos, uh, Lucho Garzón, and uh, now Claudia López, uh, they really, really lead the city in the right direction in terms of creating these ideas. And you need this type of leaders for the city to progress. And, and, but you need to put the pressure from the civil society in, in there. It is not a leader without support is not a leader. You need the support of the civil society. Mm-hmm. The system has to work together. You need, I mean, this, it's a citizen, what was it called? Not a citizen first approach. It citizen's culture. Yeah. Citizen's culture. I mean, it's, it's a very important idea to put out there. I think combining the legal, moral and social. And I think one thing you did put emphasis on is that social can often be the most powerful of the three, yeah. you know, because social currency is a thing we want to make sure that we are abiding by where society exactly we want to be, uh, we like the idea of being uh, uh, we we like the applause we we when and we feel really ashamed when other people are uh, around you uh, tell you you're wrong it, it it is deep in your in your human being the social aspect so it's important to make it part of of, of the activity it's not it's not just legal enforcement or and it's more difficult to get to the moral side what is wrong and what is right your values it is difficult to get there but you get mm. there through the legal system and through uh, the social uh, social pressure mm-hmm. and i think it, it's it's important um it's an important idea to have out there the social pressures make sure that social pressures are a thing because especially like you said for speeding it's not seen as something that's bad you know you start driving and and speed becomes a measure of your competence in driving, which is absolutely wrong. And it's and it's uh, Formula One, Formula One, and 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 yeah. other sports. It, it's still they, they glorify it. Yeah. An idea that 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 going fast is and there's adrenaline in going fast and there is risk in going fast mm. and there is a, also i don't know how much in india but here in latin america is macho culture the male mm. domination that that, that is all, also associated with these things uh, women are better private yeah absolutely i i mean i'm not sure if that is a thing here but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised this is colombia i wouldn't be surprised if it is here for that 
Mm. Yeah. Um, thank you, Dario, for putting these ideas to out there to me and to all listeners of the podcast. I think, I mean, the name of this podcast is the Pave the Way. And we're looking to see and talking to different people around the world to see how we can pave the way forward better. And I think there are so many valuable lessons to be learned from the ideas that you have put out there. Really just, yeah. Thank yeah I'm you. very happy to participate and provide this. There's a long way to go. Yeah, my yeah. own city, my own city has a lot of issues and problems, but uh, very fortunately, our plans go in the right direction. And I'm, I'm very, very happy that, that we continue building the city that we want. I think our city has a long way to go as well. I think you had said that it's about 500 deaths a year on Colombia. On oh, in the city of Bogota. In yeah. the city of Bogota. I, I, I have to imagine that the numbers in Gurugram and even Delhi separately are much higher. But as long as we, you know, as long as we keep the conversation alive, which is, I also think is very important, keep the pressure on the government, make sure that we put these ideas out there, which is like a citizen's culture and even the idea of a vision zero enforcement, engineering, all of this, and just continue to have conversations, we will automatically keep moving in the right direction. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, very happy to participate and, and look forward to, to the uh, to the podcast and, and, and the reactions. We learn a lot from the reaction. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dario. Take care.